hello, welcome to yet another episode of Pod Position, which I'm far too many by now, it's beyond a joke. I'm Jim Sterling, I'm joined, as always, by my good friend Laura, hello. Hello, I'm here, I'm stuffing my face with chicken balls, it's a good evening tonight. It's hard to get good chicken balls in Mississippi. Sweet and sour chicken balls, loved them out in England. Um, Good Chinese food? Very hard to obtain here. Uh, So, uh, yeah, there there are many British foods I miss. Um, So I'm going to somehow end up even, like, like twice as fat when I next visit the country and start to get a proper pizza, like what you can't get out here. Proper chicken bowl, like what you can't get out here. Just dozens and dozens of pork pies to just shovel into my fat pig's hoggish, greedy face. Hello, Gavin. How are you? I, I, I'm good. My, my girlfriend just came into the room and I was like trying to whisper. I'm recording and the way she ran out just was so funny. I was like, you don't need to do that. It's okay. It's a very casual podcast. But yeah, we seem, it's fine now. I'm good. Thank you for asking. That's, that's good. That's good. You see, we, we can't afford professional spaces. Yeah, you know, we, that's true. We ain't like those kind of funny boys with their brick no. wall behind them. With their paintings, Greg Miller lying on a dais, being fed grapes by women with their busters hanging out of their togas, which is exactly how they busters. record. Uh, much yeah. love to Colin we're we're, and Greg. A qu- we're a quality a quality establishment here. Most of my podcasts are recorded from a pub, so you know I am the height of like exactly. professional recording setups. Someone was talking about King Henry VIII's knockers while we were getting ready to record. <laughs> I laughed so yeah. hard at that. You are currently recording above a pub, and um, if, if you could quote the exact phrase that was in this very philosophical discussion, because it made me laugh. Okay, let me find my very philosophical quote. Where was my quote? Um, she she had proper knockers. What like they had in Henry VIII's times. <laughs> <laughs> the wonderful things you you hear just living above a pub. That's like oh the typical God, that's London pub customer's idea. That's how he yeah. remembers history. Oh, those are some Henry VIII tits. Where are those fucking Renaissance jugs? <laughs> There's never been a more British sentence than that, has there? I don't yeah, think well, this so. Is, this is why they don't teach like uh, certain things in history in British schools. Like British schools heard a lot about Henry VIII because you could look at like, oh, that's Anne Boleyn, as you can see there. There's some lovely darkening around the areola. And then that's how I remembered Henry VIII's wives. Um, very few pictures of the American Civil War give you a good look at tits. And that's why in Britain you don't learn about the American Civil War as much as you learn about, say, um, World War II, where women I feel like could wear they're, those they're... factory uniforms and get a real defined shape of their bosoms. I feel like they're missing out on some historical importance here by not having a GCSE uh, specially geared towards uh, medieval knockers. Well, I went to a grant maintained school, and that's the only way they could keep our interest. Um, so we actually did, and the only exception was the Black Death, but the word bubonic plague sounded enough like boobs that we were interested anyway. Bubonic plague, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think they kind of gussed it up a bit. They drew nipples on the bubos themselves so that we would pay attention. Uh, boob bonnet plague. Now, there's a disease that would be terrible. 
booba by that play. <laughs> I wouldn't like it. I, 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 I don't. I can think of better things, but um, actually, one of the better things I can think of, Gavin. There's been it's been a while since we've had one yeah. of these. I have a song for one of your yeah. rock albums today, for one of your rock and pop albums. Oh, nice. And nice, this song, nice. this song is from a Podquisition listener. So I, I promised I would give them a shout out because they've written a very interesting song, all about me, that in no way uses any kind of copyrighted theme tune. So I'm going to be singing a, uh, what's this person? <laughs> Shannon McKernan? Shannon McKernan has sent us a song. So this you can put this on one of your rock, rock and pop albums. Okay. Oh, Laura, 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 I listen to you all day. I listen, listen, listen. I love everything you say. Oh, Laura, 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 the sky above's no longer grey. I pray, I pray, I pray to meet you one day. You can put that on one of your albums. Absolutely I don't, genius. I, I don't consider myself, um, you know, a, a gilded lyricist or anything. Um, but they really do need to work on fitting their sentences into a proper rhythmic structure. Um, yeah, otherwise, and, good and, effort. And perhaps on, you know, not using copyrighted stolen theme tunes, but you know, I'm sure yeah, the people who wrote Dreidel, Dreidel, Dreidel what probably is, isn't don't that like, like the Dreidel? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. the Dreidel song. I had never heard that song before I heard Cartman's version of it, actually. <laughs> well, they don't teach you many sort of traditional Jewish songs in British no. schools. Because there aren't enough tits. No. I mean, tits is pretty much all you learn about over there, isn't it, in England? In, in yeah. England, tits and like, chits. The, the entire like school structure is like, we're, we're going to learn some maths today. So here's your little math song we're going to teach you. One tit plus two tits is two tits, three tits. <laughs> three tits plus four <laughs> tits is seven. <laughs> they teach you how to have conversations in pubs. Because holding a pint in your right hand, a cigarette in the other, mm. and standing outside a pub is like the national yeah. British occupation. Like we're all paid to do it, so yeah. that's it's teaching you gainful employment. You get to t- talk about football, tits, uh, and tits, and Manchester United. I mean, they were doing the maths in like Manchester United. Like if if Man U score seventy six goals this season and mm. concede fifty four goals. How many goals difference is that? Exactly. So here's 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 um, your question for you. You're in the pub, you've got a cigarette in one hand and a beer in the other hand and a packet of crisps yeah. to eat. How do you eat the packet yeah. of crisps? See, that's proper applications for maths and science right there. Mm, that's a good question. You put the cigarette into the chips. Okay, there's a start. And then pour the chips into the beer and stir it around. And then drink it all in one go while your mates yell on chug, 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 chug. And then you get to go on the Geordie Shore and become a massive celebrity and become super rich and buy yourself a massive house with a swimming pool where you can chug all of the cigarette ash crisp beers that you want. Fucking full marks. No, no, I think you missed the the actual correct answer to that question, which is you get your male and or female partner who is with you at the pub and get them to feed you the crisps. Ah, you see, you you went traditionalist. The kids these days, you see, I was taught that as well, the old get your partner to do it. Um, The partner that, of course, as every schoolboy knows, you're not living with, that way you get to claim full benefits. Um, yeah. This is uh, betraying my my <laughs> poverty stricken growing up because that's what we all did. Um, 
Well, I'll put this on the record here. I don't live with anyone. I live with no one, and um, there's certainly not a girlfriend sat behind me who lives with me, obviously. Doesn't happen. <laughs> the, um, the kids growing up now, that, that is actually a new popular cocktail. It is your prawn cocktail crisps. Cocktail, again, to keep it in theme. Um, you can substitute beef and onion crisps if you want. Um, cigarette, beer, mash it all up. It's called the Chip Beergarette. Uh, that is Britain's <laughs> national cocktail, and if you are a foreigner, or otherwise known as, um, otherwise known as a Geordie coffee. Yeah. So, so if you are ever visiting uh, Britain as a tourist, ask for one of those Geordie coffee or Chip Beggarette. Um, you know, it depends where in the country you are. Um, just, just ask for it, and it's really nice. I have had it. Mm. I, I drink it in Beckenham. So. That's good. So we've, we've taught the people culture. But um, I was just saying, I used to work above a pub. And you do hear fascinating things. Um, the best thing I ever heard, I think I've told this on an old podcast I've done before. Um, not specifically this series, but other ones. Uh, the best one I ever heard was, I used to work, above, I used to work in a cab office, um, right opposite a pub in Eltham. Now, Eltham is, mm-hmm. to use the parlance of um, my people... A fucking shithole. And there were many fights that used to be had outside. Because it's Elton High Street. What are you going to do? Not have a fight? Like, come on. Um, The best thing I ever heard was during a fight. And, you know, we all abandoned our post. We stopped working uh, to look out the window. Uh, Two blokes just kicking the shit out of each other. Their girlfriends on either side watching. And one of them shouted... The the other great British pastime. Oh, absolutely. One one of the girlfriends just shouted, No head stamps! Which (laughs) I I burst out laughing. Because I love that that was the idea of an honourable fight. In London, that's the idea of... Don't break the etiquette. Yeah, like, they... that's the idea of, of a fight, like, a gentleman's, a gentleman's <laughs> combat, you know, stab a guy in the kidneys if you can get away with it, you know, whack him, take your belt off, whack him with the buckle, no head stamps, okay, let's keep this a clean fight, because um, that was very popular we- in Britain around that time, sort of the mid, mid, early to mid 2000s head stamping was the thing it was all about you know you get the guy on the pavement and just fucking cane him with your boot um lovely yeah it was uh, we uh, we used to live above a pub as well and the best thing i ever heard was there was a uh, young irish couple and they were indulging in some romance on the street as irish young couples are wont to do mm-hmm. And what came out of the girl's mouth was such beautiful poetry. She said, if you think you're coming in my hair, you can fucking jog on. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Now, in case any Americans didn't get that, (laughs) if you think you are going to spread your ejaculate into my hair, you can jog on, which means go somewhere else. (laughs) So, video games. Can can we can we can we talk about some of those at some point in this episode? Maybe. Actually, I have a funny thing to tell you about a video game, and this this goes back to your dilemma. You know, you gave us a dilemma question there a minute ago. How do you eat the crisps? Yeah. I saw this on on YouTube this week, and I had to screenshot it. Somebody wrote on an Evil Within Let's Play. You're in a room with this game and Adolf Hitler. You have a pistol with one bullet. Which do you shoot? And the first response was myself. <laughs> 
At least Hitler moves at a consistent 60 frames per second. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure he was in 4K resolution as well, but... uh... Yeah, so... (laughs) So yes, it is video game time. Time, time. It's the section of the show where we talk about the thing that the show is about. Um, where do we want to kick off? Uh, Laura, what, I, I'm interested in this game you mentioned, because I saw it mentioned on Kotaku, um, the Skeletons game. I haven't played it yet, but I am interested in seeing what it's all about. What is that? It is literally what it sounds like. It is a game where you play as a skeleton, and there's this sort of 3D world for you to run around, and it doesn't seem like you can do much. And then you realise you have a camera, and you just take selfies. And the selfies will have things written on them, like, too spooky for you. And you run around and take pictures of yourself. And you're like, ah, I'm being a skeleton. Ah, look at me, I'm taking a skeleton selfie. And it shouldn't be any good. (laughs) That's the name of the game, right? Skeleton selfie. Yeah, it has, it's better than it has any right to be. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I saw people saying, like, this is going to be this year's goat simulator. This isn't on Steam, is it? No, no, I believe it's a free game. Yeah, it's, you it's just, a free like, download game. It for free off of a website. You click on dodgy looking <laughs> skeleton. Yeah. You go on on Surfux a lot shady den of PC keys, and you can pick up a copy. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised though if, like, at some point we see a fucking Steam Greenlight page for it. Help get skeleton selfie on Steam, and you know what? Uh, con- considering the rest of the shit that goes up, like I played a game, an early access game, yesterday called Ten Years After. And the loading screen was a guy talking for, like, it was over four minutes of a black screen, and the guy, clearly the developer, just talking into a low-quality microphone, explaining the entire backstory of the game. Something, it it was some sort of anti-vaccination fucking allegory, as these people that get vaccinated against some disease and it makes them nice, and then suddenly zombies. And it's like, dude, you're making an early access Steam game. We already know there are zombies in it, because that's what every early access Steam game is. Just say the words, suddenly zombies, you've got your plot. Uh, But no, no, over four minutes, and the game got bored of his shit. Because it just cut him off and threw me into the menu screen. He was still talking. I think it would have gone on for like 10 minutes of a literally black screen and a guy just, so yeah, times were really bad and then the governments came in and they vaccinated us. And then they did test subjects and they went bad and, and they were like mutants and stuff. And I'm like, just say zombies. Is it really hard to say it? If you're ashamed of saying it, don't put zombies in your game. If you know it's cliche and you sound bad saying it, there are so many other things instead of zombies that you can put in your Steam Early Access games. Werewolves, vampires, mummies. How many games have mummies in them these days? Not very many. I just don't like when games have everyone calling them infected. If a zombie outbreak broke out, every single one of us would be calling them fucking zombies. Of course we would. We wouldn't be calling them infected, would we? Because that, that's very I mean, non-specific. It's like, oh god, the I mean, infected are coming. You're... It's like, w- with what? Tuberculosis? I, I don't know, that doesn't tell me anything. When you're in a mortal battle to the death and you're shouting orders as well, you're going you're gonna to limit the syllables you need to, to use, you know? You're not going to go, kill that infected. You're going to go, get the fucking zombie! Well, you're no, not even going to probably say like... zombie. You're just going to say those fucking... Just, just kill those fuckers. 
And that's probably all you'll get. Kill, is, kill those fuckers. You're not going to be like, yeah. go get the people who've been infected with the mysterious vaccination cure. Uh. You won't. You wouldn't even. You wouldn't even get the with fire in. You would just know what to do. So I played a game this week. Yeah. Just complete left turn. I played a game this week that yeah. was really good about BDSM and about spanking a man in his underwear. That's the name of my local pub, BDSM. <laughs> Is it? No, seriously, yeah, that's the actual name of it. Oh, oh yeah. very nice. Uh, and it's it's quite obviously by the name, it's a metal bar. Yeah. Well, maybe not quite obviously. <laughs> Ireland's <laughs> most disappointing pub. I'm going to go to BDSM yeah. tonight. I'm, no, no, it's just a pub. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, they do like and, tattoo But you go down to like the King's Arms is down the road and that's a proper fetish dungeon. And, uh, yeah. no, but the, <laughs> the two King's owners Arms. hate each other and refuse <coughs> to swap names. There are definitely no pubs in Ireland called the King's Arms. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, so this, this game I played is called Hurt Me Plenty. And it's like, hey, you meet oh, up with you. a man in his underwear who wants to have some BDSM done. And he's a submissive guy in his underwear on all fours. You shake hands. You agree to, like, your little terms and conditions. So it's like... Can I just say, I wish it was, th- I wish it was that easy to find, like, that kind of situation. <laughs> You just walk down the street, there's a bloke in his underpants. Just, do you want to engage in some uh, fucking BDSM? Yes. Thank you. Um, oh, it's, it's a lot yeah. more difficult than that, just saying. Well, it's, is this a PC or a console game? This is a game? PC game, and you can either use it like... Okay, so wait for it. So wait for it. It's 60 frames of grey. Wait, I'm putting on my sunglasses. Uh, yeah! <laughs> okay. Well done, like, Sally. Well done, Sally. well done. Yeah, so... You, you agree to like, okay, this is how much clothing will take off. This is like the level of harm you should be doing to me. And this is my safe word, which like, if I use this, I want you to stop. And then you engage in BDSM and you just spank him around the arse a lot. And you're supposed to yeah. follow lines of consent. And I ignored the consent. Like I played it a few times and was like, okay, I'm just going to ignore his safe word and keep going and be like absolutely brutal to him. <laughs> and the game locked me out for 12 days. I cannot play this game for 12 days. I uninstalled it, reinstalled it, reopened executables. I can't play this game for 12 <laughs> nice. days because I, I ignored his consent and like went over boundaries Violated and now it won't be play. Yeah. Wow. So it's, get out of and the is club. there not it's... even an option to like pay real life money to get back No, in? no, there is no option to, to speed that up. It's just, nope, 12 real life days. You cannot play this game because you overstepped your boundaries actually... in this BDSM situation. That's really clever. I like Sounds that. Sounds pretty yeah. fair. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a really fun game about spanking a guy's ass and watching it jiggle about with a message. <laughs> <laughs> Are you amused by that? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I spanked the other guy's ones, until I was All the other games in which him. you spank guys' wobbly asses aren't as, you know, socially conscious. So it's at last an entry to the exactly. genre that has something to say for itself. Is it really teaching a good lesson, though, that if you abuse someone too much they'll go away for like 12 days and eventually just come crawling back to you i was gonna say like i mean is that really a socially responsible message we're sending to the the kids what it it does is it's like 12 days and then you're going to be a different person coming to engage with in bdsm with him so it's like it's going to be 12 Uh, days until he's recovered from what the last partner did to him so you and on the other hand you will then be rehabilitated after your 12 days i will essentially be a no different sex. character going in and it will i will be playing someone else who is like okay I, it's been about 12 days i feel better now i'm okay to trust uh, try trusting someone new and then if i if i go if i go over the line again god knows what could happen i don't know 
I played it three times and it locked me out, so I've yet to, to find out what happens if I do it again. Oh, Laura, where do you find these games? I will always be amused by, by, by the games you find. Oh, God, I go down <laughs> weird rabbit holes on the internet. Like, I finally played Horse Beater 3000 this week, and oh... <laughs> Oh, what did I do? Now that game doesn't that game doesn't lock you out after twelve days if you overstep oh. your bounds. Most no, because I it's impossible it not to overstep social. Yeah, <laughs> just booting the game up is overstepping the bounds. Yeah, I was like, I I just opened. I think it was like the first thing I saw on that game was um, books are for gay nerds. And I was just like, oh, so that's what I got myself guess, in for. Guess what the second link guess what the second link that comes up in Google is when you Google Horse Beater three thousand. Fucking Jim. Jim's <laughs> <laughs> <Gym> squirty play. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, if you overstep your bounds in squirty play, you are locked out for more than 12 days. <laughs> this game looks really horrible. I'm sorry. Which one horse <laughs> This looks really, really awful. You know, yeah. It was made by Podposition fans, which <laughs> really? I don't yeah. know if that makes it worse or better. <laughs> to be honest oh dear oh dear but it was made by one of the podquisition people and they've been bugging me to play it i was like okay fine i'll do it and i spent maybe 15 minutes punching a horse in the face i couldn't beat the first horse i got very frustrated and i got to a point where i was just like fucking die you horse why won't you fucking die and then i realized like this is actually a kind of brilliant game i have become <laughs> i have acquired the desire to murder a horse like this game has made me feel You've something. A monster. It's not something I wanted to feel, but it changed me as a person and it made me feel something. Okay, well, you're gonna have to send this game to David Cage then. Oh, oh, he actually is, is featured in the game. This game understands emotions. Emotions. Mm. It whispers emotions at one point uh, because every time you, I, we explained this on a prior episode. Every time you kill a horse in its dying breath, it tells you the emotion it's feeling. And as it does, there's a, a faint image of David Cage in the background, just staring at everything with his big David Cage eyes. Yeah, so Poe's Law is kicking in hard for me here now. Is that actually in the game? Yes. Or are you no, it is actually in the game. You... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. I've been replaying... We have, um, we, have the, we have the best listeners. We do. I've been replaying <laughs> Fahrenheit slash Indigo Prophecy, actually. Um, since the, the quote-unquote remaster came out. Um, some games should never be remastered um, because I'm only sort of... Only thanks to the remastering and my seeing like the ridiculous animation weirdness in that game, like the fact that people's mouths are like black slits that have been cut into their faces and the lips have just been kind of sewn over the edges. And they just look like ghoulish fucking nightmare people. Um... And their hands clip through everything. And I didn't know that one of the main characters has a biohazard symbol tattooed on his neck. Um, which, as, as a detective, this visible biohazard tattoo just doesn't look quite right. Um, but yeah, I've been playing that and my god, even back then David Cage was ridiculous. Uh, he doesn't know how to write human beings. That's a fundamental issue with his writing. Like, he'd be a brilliant writer if he knew how to write people and events. <laughs> um, but I do love that game still. Like, I, I've been playing through it and recording it for uh, my YouTube stuff. Um, yeah. And I, I'm giving it a lot of ribbing, although it is affectionate, because I did, I did enjoy it back in the day. Um, but... You know, people make fun of it because of the big bit halfway through where it suddenly turns into the internet's alive and all this other weird shit. And 
one of the characters is dead now, maybe, I don't know. Um, but even before... That actually sounds that, kind of awesome to me. It's <laughs> The internet is alive. But it's David Cage doing it. So it's it's not quite awesome. Uh, once you're at the point where some where the internet's walking around, uh, it's, really? it's been many years since like, I like 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 Edie. It, it's been many years since I got to that bit. Um, I'm hoping to do a full playthrough this time so I can get back there. Like I I played it to completion when it first came out, so we're talking many 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 years ago. Um, I just remember at one point this being of like yellow glowing energy walking around like the predator. Uh, which I think wow. was supposed to be the internet, but I can't remember and now. Did it, did it have E.D. Camelto? Uh, I do not believe so. It was very hard to make out any details. It that's may have a missed been. opportunity. Um, so that's a shame uh, that we d- didn't have any Camelto. Uh, in Europe, yeah. there were breasts because, of course, there was a really inappropriate sex scene. Um, because David Cage doesn't... Well, it wouldn't be a David Cage game yeah, otherwise. Yeah, he doesn't seem to know when the right time for sex is. Um, Which is never in a video game until animations get better. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sex to in be games honest. is so awkward. It's just so silly and awkward. I think it was Ken Levine who said that, you know, if you don't do the tasteful cutaway, like, it just looks like the Team America sex scene. It's just just yeah, these bodies much. just flailing oh. and flopping around on top of each other. Did you know there's, um, there is video yeah. game sex scene news this week? The Witcher yes, 3 has 16, 16 hours, hours of mocap data for sex scenes. There were 16 yeah. we hours of mocap scenes. <laughs> we should point out... To be out fair, that I would watch Geralt fuck for 16 hours. To 16 be fair, hours to be fair, of, yeah. of mocap is not 16 yeah. <laughs> hours of sex. Um, yeah. yes, which some people seem to believe it means. Like, uh, I'm going to be p- watching 16 hours I, I, of sex. This is think, like, horrible slash yeah. awesome, depending on who you are. Well, that's like when they said they had, like, uh, what was it, 50 hours worth of dialogue in Grand Theft Auto V. Which isn't really true, well, but maybe they recorded that much? Well, here's, here's yeah, the thing. That's, that, that's it. I mean, when you include background discussions of characters and things in Grand Theft Auto, there probably is that much. But it's not like you're sat there from beginning to end listening to a 50-hour-long radio play. To be fair, though, have you seen Geralt with the beard? I mean... You know, mm-hmm. is sixteen hours is sixteen hours enough? That's what I want to know. I just, I just have visions of them being like, okay, that sex scene is not good enough. We need to redo this. We need to get this sex scene right. We're not. It's going to be terribly animated CGI characters, but we don't care. Go in a bit more, out a bit more, bit faster. Do this sex better. <laughs> like, I, I just like the theory that like they either they're being very specific about the, what they want from these sex scene mocaps, or Every time there's a sex scene, they've remocapped it because you can't have the same, the same sex twice. That's just not possible. Here's a question I can't believe we've never asked ourselves on this show: What is by far the most awkward sex scene in a video game? I'm gonna go with Dragon Age Origins simply for the animations mm. and every every sex scene in Dragon Age Origins. <laughs> what was that old NES? Oh. What was that old NES game? Custer's Revenge? That was pretty awkward. Oh, go- oh dear. <laughs> Moving yeah. swiftly onwards. <laughs> yeah, the Custer's Revenge. Oh, no. There's a fun game. Yeah, um, there's a fun game that I brought. Hopefully never yeah. played that one. 
I think, well, I already mentioned uh, David Cage, but uh, the Heavy Rain one always struck me as unusual, when you can, mostly for the context surrounding it, um, considering what the character did prior to the sex scene. Um, the fact that, you know, his son is dying, uh, and he is uh, greatly wounded, uh, and I think maybe she is too by that point. Either way, they are both fucked oh, yeah. up. And it, it's and the not sound a... effects in that scene, oh, yeah, they were very, very. And it's awkward. just not a sexy like, situation. Mm. Uh, it's like they just like you know hit them both in the head with hammers and then recorded them for the next five minutes trying to speak. Like, uh, 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 uh. I, I actually have. Um, I use it every now and then in Jimquisition, um, but I did. I redubbed that sex scene myself. Um, and it is mostly just them two just... Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Um, and it, it, in my opinion, it makes it more erotic. Um, my, still my favourite uh, sex scene in video games is one that... Um, someone sent me a video once that was just labelled Thomas was alone sex scene. And it was just two coloured blocks just kind of bouncing into each other a bit. And I was just like, yeah, that is... That is that's about right. One of them was bouncing You know on the what? Other. A sex scene... If Thomas was alone, had a sex scene, it would probably be less awkward than every other sex scene in a game. Because it actually would leave something to the imagination. Because they are little yeah. blocks. Yeah, and there would at least be a style, a stylistic sort of quality to it, rather than trying to yeah. have sex. Um, you know, st- simplicity and style will always beat when you try and go for realism. Anyway, just because realism dates itself very quickly and. And often I remember the the, looks not right. the trailer for the trailer for Deus Ex Human Revolution had some very sexy, um, kind of very subtly implied sex scenes in it, but that was like a one of those CG kind of rendered ones, and it was very very sexy indeed. It was just like more kissing and stuff, but it was very much implied that it was a sex scene. You didn't see anything. I think that's why it was sexy. I think that helps, yeah. The implication, the hint, the tease, the ooh, uh, is a lot better than just... <laughs> exactly. That is that is my very accurate yeah. sense of sex, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I can, only, I can only really buy the scene if the woman in the scene has tits like from Henry VIII's times. Oh, King Emery H times the tits were realistic. That's when they looked like tits. Uh, I thought that was you impersonating Jim's Iron Bull impersonation. (laughs) (laughs) I still can't do it. (laughs) I bet we could do an hour of that and people would say it was the best podcast yet. Uh, we okay. probably could. Um, oh, I have a news thing <laughs> um, to bring up. What else has been going on? Yeah, I've got a news thing. Um, yeah. There was a League of Legends tournament yesterday that decided it would be a good thing to be like, hey, ladies, League of Legends tournament, you can only have one gay or trans oh, person on your team, otherwise you've got an unfair advantage. And I had a lot of fun yesterday yeah. making up superpowers for gay and trans people because... Clearly, they have some kind of magical powers that allow them to be better at esports. It's just not really cool, is it? I, to I, be I, in I just, any way. I, I mean, I can't understand the neither, logic. Neither at do all. I. Um, or I didn't, at least, until I found yeah. out that gay and trans women have small localized EMPs within their hands that they can use to disable the opponent's computers. Ah, uh, yes. Um, they can literally hack into the matrix yeah. and 
alter AI in order to make the game more difficult for their enemies. And if I'm right, I believe that they c- they have robotic fingers which allow them to click at a faster than average pace. So I can kind of understand why they got banned, uh-huh. but, you know, they're just too powerful. Well, I mean, let, let's remember that sort of anyone in the LGBT spectrum aren't born. They are created via sorcery. We all know this, you know. Um, mm-hmm. If you're anywhere on that scale of the LBG, uh, LGBT scale, you are literally made out of magic. My own hands are not real hands. It's made of fucking fairy dust. Uh, so it is fair play, although they did rescind um, today, I believe, isn't it? They've they've gone back on it and said, you know what? It's probably a better idea that we don't arbitrarily restrict uh, other human beings via weird queer maps. I wish they had said that, though, because that would have been an actual apology of sorts. What they said was, we've decided to change our decision after our initial decision caused some interesting discussions. It wasn't interesting discussions. It was the world unanimously telling you that you were fucking idiots. Yeah, it was rage slash open mockery. Uh, I wouldn't call it interesting. I I was incapable of interesting discussion because when I was trying to read it and and try and parse the weird equations they were putting up, if one team has four women plus one trans woman and Jody has six apples, how many apples are left? And I'm just holding my temple just... Uh, Someone asked me uh, if I'd do a Jimquisition on it, which I think would be a bit dated now that sort of it's, I guess, not a thing. Um, I may give it a mention in the intro, but I just think like it would be five minutes of me trying to <laughs> trying to suss out the eldritch logic that they were using and just bleeding out my eyes. Yeah. It shows that it shows like not even any attempt or effort to understand at all. No, really like my my favorite. Oh, sorry, the the police are coming after me for for revealing secrets about gay and trans people. No, it's for your superpowers. <laughs> They're coming to bring you off with the X-Men, <laughs> which could be pretty awesome, actually. Um, I, I think I revealed earlier today that trans people <laughs> can store lightning in their teeth and breathe it like dragon fire. So that might be what they're coming... They're coming to arrest me <laughs> for revealing secrets now. Um, but yeah, it's just such a bizarre thing where I was like, the the only benefit I could see was as far as stereotypes against LGBT people go... The stereotype that they are unfairly good at esports could be worse stereotypes. I don't mind people assuming it's like, yeah. oh, you're LGBT, you're going to kick my ass at video games. Yeah, like, I, I, it's the first time I've ever heard, oh, so, so you're, you identify as queer, do you? Well, you could kick my ass at Dota. What? How does that make you feel? <laughs> I, I struggle to see, like... I, I str- that, that was my impression of a big hurt. I, I struggle with some of the maths of, like, they say you can have one gay woman and one trans woman on your team. If if one of the people on your team is gay and trans, do they take up both of those slots? Or do you get to have, like, consider your gay trans woman as, like... Yeah, or do you get to consider, like, okay, well, my gay trans woman, we're going to treat her as the gay slot... And we can have a second trans person on the team because they're taking the trans slot. Like, is that how it works? Can you double up if you have someone that is both in one slot? I don't know. What if, what if those slots are linked? Can I still put an all materia on the other one to affect the entire party? It's very confusing. I, I just, that, that was it. Like, I was reading their equations and the logic they were using to designate people and tell you who you can and can't have on your team was just utterly 
like I feel like I am slightly less sane today than I was yesterday morning, having tried to work out what it was they were even well, saying. Well, my, my favourite part was when it's like, it doesn't at any point, like, ban bisexual women from being on these uh, these esports teams. So all that a woman who's gay has to do to stay on the team is like, oh, no, I'm bi. I thought about a penis once. So, video games. <laughs> Ubisoft undid one of their bits of shit from last week. Yeah, yeah, I, I heard about this. Well, I say I heard about it, you told me Yeah, about I told it. you about this. Um, this is a thing. They gave the keys back. Yeah, the people who it's like, oh, you bought a stolen key, we're taking your key away, but we're not punishing the people who sold it to you. They gave them back the keys. It's like, you can still play your Far Cry 4 if you've already played it and you bought it from Sir, Sir Fucks A Lot Shady Den of PC mm-hmm. Keys, which is a real website, by the way. It does exist. Yeah, I mean, fair play. Fair play to Ubisoft, like... They did. They did okay there. Yeah, they they may have like fucked up in the first place and needed to like it. It we're we are congratulating Ubisoft on undoing something that they fucked up already. So it's not like they've done something right. It's they've undone a fuck up, I guess. But congratulations, Ubisoft, for undoing a thing that you did. Hooray! They get my Ubisoft. You did something adequately. Award this week. So, we'll see if they get another one next week. Uh, it's one of the most coveted awards that I can offer uh, on this podcast. So, good good for them. Um, I played Darkest Dungeon, though. That game's awesome. Um, I, I highly recommend I it. I have no idea it's, what Darkest Dungeon is. Tell us about the Darkest Dungeon. Oh, oh, oh. Um, it's a turn-based RPG in spirit. Um, it's on early access. Uh, one of those early access games, one of those rare ones that come out, and it's like, holy shit, this is actually more complete and smooth running than a lot of so-called finished AAA games out there. Um, basically, you assemble a party of four characters that are brought from a variety of classes uh, and send them into these dungeons. They're side-scrolling dungeons, and you encounter traps, pick up treasures, fight monsters all along the way. It is fucking tough. Like, it's it's a really tough, sort of, um, brutal game. Uh, if you're not constantly keeping an eye on health and, and dealing damage quickly, like, the longer a fight goes, the better the chances are that you are just gonna get fucked. Um, and even worse than that is stress levels. Uh, this is their big difference maker here. Um, all of the characters have their own stress levels, and certain things happen during the, the dungeon crawl that affects them. As you... Th- Feel like, like I'm surprised it hasn't come up in games more often. When you spend your days fighting zombies and skeletons and demons, you're gonna get a little fucked up, and the game kind of um, exemplifies that. Uh, the more they go into the dungeons, the more they get to pick up diseases and psychological issues, um, anywhere ranging from like picking up rabies to believing they're possessed by demons to becoming um, um, obsessed with cleanliness, just weird little habits that they pick up. And they're just always permanently with them. If their stress level ever maxes out, they get hit with like this huge game-changing affliction uh, that just ruins the character um they could become they just uh, become masochistic is one of them uh, it's a common one uh, they uh, they at any point could refuse a healing uh, spell like you're trying to heal them and they're just like no no the pain fuels me uh, and we'll just carry on fighting while losing health they may just hit <laughs> so themselves. basically like like everyone who listens to this podcast then. yes yes they become podquisition listeners um they could become abusive which raises the stress levels of other characters because 
because like you know I'll attack an enemy with one of the characters and the abusive character will just be like yeah good maybe try aiming next time and then their stress goes up uh, as they just insult and berate everyone on the team um, what else is there there's a rational which they could just lose turns because they're just too busy spouting gibberish uh, fearful because uh, party lineup is very important, because certain characters can only do certain attacks if they're in a certain position. There are like four slots um, from front to back. And if you've got a guy in the front row who's your big damage dealer and he becomes fearful, he may end up just shunting like your weak healer who's in the back of the lineup right into the front lines so that they can hide. Um, and it's. Playing with four characters who are at max stress and each of them with their own mental affliction is one of the most horrific game experiences I've ever had. I did it on a live stream as I was just, I kept trying to heal this one character, (laughs) my most important character, and he just kept refusing. I was trying to swap characters around in the lineup because I needed the correct uh, positioning for the correct attacks, and they just they wouldn't. It's like no, no, I'm all right here, and I'm like you. You are going to die. Do you not see? Um, there's a reason why you can retreat from battle and retreat from the dungeon and keep the stuff because it is this constant game of of um, battering you until you think if I I could push on and win at the risk of just losing my guys. And when you when a character dies, they're dead for good uh, and you can keep hiring new ones it's very XCOM like in that way but no it's beautiful fantastically beautiful art style um, the dialogue the um, there's a narrator who's constantly talking while you fight letting you know what happens and everything and the verbosity of him is fantastic constantly referring to things as tenebrous and stuff like that like I love that word um, so yeah good game uh, my leper died permanently he was my favourite character I'm very sad I've been unable to play since I lost my leper. And he was one of my favourite character classes, the leper. Very interesting character classes. You've got the leper who um, deals big damage but is inaccurate a lot. Or the plague doctor who can do sort of status effects and things. So, yeah, Darkest Dungeon, big fan of it. Um, It was one of my most anticipated games of the year and is already a game of the year contender. So, good. Awesome. Nice. A good start to the year then. Yeah. Well, not a good start to the year. I've got one Game of the Year contender and two shit Game of the Year contenders already. Oh, God. I have a Game of the Year contender that could also be the shittest Game of the Year contender. Like, I don't know which way it's going to go right now. Did either of you play Life is Strange, episode one? Yes. It it is my favourite thing in a long time that I am terrified is going to become a David Cage-style mess by the end. I... I was, like, I don't like generalizations, but I was playing it and thinking, is, do we need to have, like, a word with French writers who try to write American dialogue? (laughs) Like, is there a culture clash thing? Because these guys don't know how people talk. Okay. Uh, Especially Mm. if you've got your game set in Oregon and one character says, Hella every other sentence okay i i will address this i have no idea i don't live in america so like my my opinion of how americans speak is incredibly skewed like i really enjoyed life is strange's first episode like it is a it feels like like it feels like gone home met something made by david cage and the first episode actually turned out as something good if flawed like if every so often sentences will have like 
hella and selfie and social media thrown into them just because a businessman thought it was a good idea to throw them into teenage dialogue because that's how the youth speak. But other than that, I thought that it was a really endearing narrative about like two very relatable teenage girls who like, for me, they reminded me very much of the two poles that I went between in my childhood between like the awkward teen who was too scared to be outgoing and the rebel dyed their hair, got some tattoos, listens to punk music teen that I sort of always wanted to be growing up as a teenager. And I really liked the interactions and the whole little world they'd created. I thought it was really good. And I liked how the time travel mechanic let me commit to my choices before I made them even if the lip syncing was terrible and there were too many hellers and selfies and God knows what else thrown in. And I'm terrified it's going to end up like beyond two souls. And it's just going to, it's going to start grounded like the whole homeless scene and beyond and be really good. And then it's just going to go off the rails with supernatural bullshit. So I love the first episode, but I'm scared (laughs) for this series. So I just, I just Googled image searched this game and, <laughs> picture came up of a girl sticking her finger up her bum. <laughs> I don't remember that cut okay. so You just you can't you can't search anything these days. I said this two weeks ago. You cannot search for anything these days without something dirty coming up. <laughs> um, yeah, I played Life is Strange. I I found the dialogue difficult to deal with. Um, it was. I was playing it with my wife, and she was just yelling at it. Just they don't. People don't talk like that. Did I just hear someone say sheeple? Like she was just shouting and yelling. Um, and and yeah, it was. It's promising. I'll what, say that much. Uh, I, I thought it was all right. I didn't think it was brilliant. It was, but I I like where it's going, and I think once it sheds this. Once it tries to shed the, hey, these people talk like real people, sort of audio version of the Uncanny Valley, and gets on with the wider story, it could go somewhere very special. But right now, I'm I'm, I'm kind of with you where it's like, they could fuck this up big time. <laughs> so I'm just sort of sat back and yeah. staying like, guarded. I'm not that far from your opinion. Like, the difference for my opinion, I think, is that like when it comes to the dialogue... Other than a couple of word choices, like Hella, for example, that just came up a bit too often. Ignoring that, like I felt that the the dialogue was a bit awkward, but it was awkward in that way that teenagers often are. Like it reminded me of the fucking awkwardness of being a teenager, listening to them talk, and like that is one of those things that I don't blame anyone who doesn't feel that way about it. But I was like, you know what? This feels awkward in the right way to me, and I really find this endearing. But again, as you've said, Jim, this could be something really special. It could also completely just go off the rails and become... It could become the last hour of Beyond Two Souls. I think that's the... One of the benefits of episodic gaming is you do get this Mm -hmm. chance to have ups and downs. the last hour of Beyond Two Souls for me was the first hour. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, yeah, that one was, the, the end involves... That one was the end of Beyond Two Souls, I think, devolved into time travel and reanimating the dead and um, parallel dimensions and an atom bomb going off and, like, walking walking through... Wait, like, wait, wait, wait. And this is a bad thing, it, how? It's a bad thing because up until this point it was trying to be a grounded interpersonal narrative and then it just 
spiralled off into supernatural territory and completely lost sight of what it was. And again, this is one of those things that once more sounds good on paper, and then you remember, like, this is all the David Cage version of all of this. Uh, So you you have to always factor, I call it the Cage factor, uh, to the point where you've got Willem Dafoe, who, uh, uh, the last time you see him, he's this rather grounded sort of doctor who's trying to help and everything. And then with no characterization, it's, oh, no, no, he's insane now. Well, he's just insane now. Like, that's happened. Uh, it was the same with the character who, um, like, a, a, some cop, some, um, I think it's like CIA or something. Uh, the first time he meets the main character, uh, Ellen Page, we'll just call her Ellen Page because that's what the character was. Um, the first time he meets Ellen Page and she's really standoffish and hates him. And then the very next scene, she's prettying herself up for him because she's in love with him now. Uh-huh. Uh, and... Many years have passed between the two scenes, but there's we're not given any of that characterization, and it's just bad storytelling. It's it's this whole you know him telling and not showing. Uh, we have to be told how the characters are feeling at all times because sure as fuck the story ain't going to show us. Well, the the problem I had with like with this is like if anyone has played the whole way through Beyond Two Souls, um, the first scene, uh, like the first episode of Life is Strange reminded me so much like tonally and performance wise of beyond two souls scene when Ellen page is homeless. And you've got like this really grounded narrative of like, it it uses the supernatural thing in that scene. I think once just to be like, she's homeless. She is depressed. She wants out. She tries to kill herself and the supernatural thing steps in to stop her. And she gets incredibly emotionally like frustrated about that. Like it's sparing use of supernatural stuff nice grounded things like there's this beautiful scene where she's sat playing Beck's lost cause out on the street with her guitar and it was really beautiful and grounded and episode one of life is strange felt like that but I fear that it's going to end up doing the same thing as beyond two souls which is by the end it's like forget all this like interpersonal narrative and sparing use of supernatural bullshit no we're just gonna throw out the stories of the people and talk about the bullshit magic that's controlling the universe. Uh, I want Life is Strange to be good, and I don't think it's going to be. And there's precedent for them doing that as well. Because uh. Don't Nod did um, Remember Me as well, and that went the same way. Just just went off the wall with made-up terminology and shit that just made no sense. Uh, and it, again... Uh, it started off with a very interesting premise and just went balmy. So we'll see how it goes, but I'm certainly invested enough in wanting to see yeah, more. Yeah, if I could say one thing to Don't Nod, and if they still have time to make some changes to how this game is coming together, I just want to say, focus on the interpersonal drama between those teenagers, because you've done that so well in this first episode, and I loved it. Just, just, Just be sparing with the supernatural bullshit, please don't. Fuck this up! You've got something potentially special. <sighs> so I played uh, Dying Light. Sorry, I need you to explain something to me, Gavin, about Dying Light. Um, every yeah, time people yeah. describe Dying Light, they yeah. describe it as fast-paced parkour with zombies, and it sounds really cool when people describe it. And I say to them, like, "Oh, so it's really good then?" And everyone's response is, "Uh." And no one's adequately explained to me why this thing that sounds really good turned out... Uh... I, th- I think it's pretty good. I mean, Jim predicted last week that I would enjoy it, and I did. 
Um, the biggest problem I have with it actually is the animations for the looting and mm-hmm. for the climbing, which do this thing. And the Thief also did this. It's where when you're looting stuff or climbing, your camera jerks all over the fucking place, zooming in and out on stuff. And Dying Light has a lot of looting, a lot, a lot, a lot of looting. And if the camera's shaking around that much, it it gives me motion sickness. I can only play it for about an hour at a time. And I kind of really wish there was a way to disable that. And Thief had the same effect on me. Because actually, I think Dying Light is, uh, yeah, it's an enjoyable game. I, I, I think it's certainly a lot of fun. It's silly. It's like it's like if you can imagine Dead Island with a little bit of Mirror's Edge mixed in with it. That's kind of what uh, that's kind of what it is, but with a lot of kind of uh, in a in a big open world. So it's a bit more freeform. I like it, yeah. despite the motion sickness. Yeah. <laughs> Jim didn't like it. <laughs> I it was. Yeah. I, I mean, I. <laughs> I, uh, that that is exactly I'm, the response I've, everyone I've had has the past had about this week. bloody game. Everyone's just like, uh, uh, yeah. uh, uh. It's it's I mean, less it's not, that I'm know. it's less that I don't know what to say because I you know I re- I gave it two thousand words of a review. It's more that I'm so yeah. tired because for the past week I've had like little. I've been almost drowning in the tears of game FAQs forum users who keep coming to my website that they could have just ignored. I am more easy. I am more easy to ignore now than I ever was because I'm not on no one else's website. I've got my own little corner of the internet. I'm keeping <laughs> to my fucking self. And people from game FAQs keep coming over to let me know uh, that I have no credibility and that I did something wrong and that I am a joke and the same fucking arguments about review scores and reviews that I have heard for the past like six years that I am so over by now um and yeah I had one person saying man everyone on game FAQs is uh, is uh, laughing at you and they think you're shit and I'm like Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Can, can they keep thinking that? Because then I know that I am continuing to do the right <laughs> fucking thing. Um, so, yeah, dying like that. Like, now, I should, I should be fair, Jim. I only played it for like three hours because I was really busy this week. I didn't really have much time for gaming. But, yeah, I, like, I liked what I played. I'm just... I, like, I'm so over playing it because since then I've played Darkest Dungeon, I've been playing Grim Fandango, mm-hmm. I've been playing some Monster Hunter I've been playing um, some Indigo Prophecy, I've been playing so many other games and for these people the only game they seem to be playing is throwing a tantrum on the Jimquisition.com and um, I cannot do you accept not have anything the, else? I cannot accept the notion that different people like things at different levels. I mean no, how no, can no. one person like something this much and someone else like it that much how does that happen that makes me really angry i'm gonna go bitch on the internet <laughs> about it yeah well that's one of their favorite tactics it's like well you gave you liked this game that i didn't like but you didn't like this game that i liked yeah. there's no consistency here I mean, yeah it is i'm consistently disagreeing with you I'm going to go on your website and bitch about your Assassin's Creed 2 review. <laughs> People have already been bringing stuff that's up like, like that. That's like one of my top five games of all time, and Jim didn't like it. <laughs> People do it. Like They still bring up the fact that I was somewhat lukewarm on The Witcher 2. They still bring up uh, the fact that I didn't like Vanquish, or the fact that I didn't like Assassin's Creed 2, or the fact that I did like Modern Warfare 3. I'm still not sorry for that. Uh, these Sometimes they bring up games uh, that Jim, I can't Jim, even Jim, remember. No, nobody, re- nobody liked Modern Warfare 3. It's like universally hated among 
Call of Duty fans. It is the greatest game that was ever developed by a human. Um, mm. People bring up reviews that I don't even remember writing. And for them, it's that whole M. Bison from the Street Fighter movie thing. That whole, for me, it was Tuesday. Uh, and while for you, it was the most important thing that's ever fucking happened. It's like, I don't even remember writing this review you are so mad at me for. And apparently have been furious at me for six years. Yeah, but come on, man. You, you let Ezio down. See, what, what you're forgetting, Jim, is that you're, you're funded by your audience now. Which means that you have to agree with what every single one of them says about every single game otherwise you're wrong i think if jim i think if jim did that he wouldn't have the same audience i think that's what jim's audience likes about. well i think the best ones are the ones who are like if i say something they disagree with they'll leave a comment that's like man the only way we're going to send a message to jim is if we withdraw our patreon money who's with me guys and i'm like the only people who are with you are people like you who weren't even doing it to begin with. Um, That's like those same guys who boycotted Modern Warfare 2. Yeah, like the people what who was, weren't going to be fucking doing it anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm know. trying to remember what that boycott was about. Jesus, what the hell? Why, why were people boycotting Modern <laughs> Warfare 2? Were they boycotting it, it because first it wouldn't of- allow local area network play? Something like that. It was one of those things that was... It was the first high-profile boycott failure (laughs) that I can remember. There have been a lot of them since. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm all for the consumer having a voice. I mean, that's a big thing I fucking talk about regularly. Um, But... Sometimes people are stupid. (gasps) And sometimes the consumer no, is the not right. No, the consumer's right every time and um, always yeah. well, not. Think, what are you on when, about, Gavin? When you, when, you work in restaurants, when you work in restaurants and shops like I did for years, you realise the customer is not always correct. <laughs> well, that's it. I think some people think all, like in all situations being pro-consumer is about agreeing with uh, the mob 100% of the time. Um, and for me, I've always thought that uh, a go- being a good pro-consumer person... Um, means allowing yourself to at times say no I think this thing is wrong that a lot of people Mm. are saying you know Um, Mm. sort of calling out the way we as customers uh, conduct things and and support things in the industry um, to better have a voice you know Uh, so Mm. that is why everybody is wrong except me Hey, 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 I'm sometimes correct yeah. with my word thoughts. I think the three of us are correct. You... The three of us are correct all of the time. I'm not always right, but I'm never wrong. Well, no, what, so guys, I, I will we, say we... you are way more versed in goldfish sex than I am. Yeah. And um, floor chips scrounging. I mean, if there was a zombie <laughs> apocalypse... Laura would probably be someone I would try and find as soon as possible because of her uh, food yeah, I can, I can find a meal. She'd already be leading yeah. like a band of survivors. I, I will find a meal to yeah. make out of anything. Yeah. Um, just be warned. Um, like If you're going to come to mine when the zombie apocalypse happens, currently all I can offer you to drink is a bottle of Buckfast that one of the Podquisition fans has bought me, which... I will be drinking on a future episode of the Podquisition. I'm thinking maybe next week I may drink a bottle of Buckfast, so we'll see how that goes. 
So, like, that's you turn up <laughs> for just, me in the zombie apocalypse, and I'm just you know you, you know what we should do sometime. You know what we should do sometime. We should all get really shit faced before doing this podcast and make it the special drunk edition. Well, that was actually a, a yearly tradition on the old podcasts I used to do. We used to do it every like the end, the last podcast of the year. But we can yeah. do it like every. Every early February, <laughs> yeah. um, and I that's mean, our tradition. It, celebrating nothing. It will on. It will undoubtedly have to be heavily edited. <laughs> oh, I don't I get doubt. mouthy. I get mouthy when I'm drunk, <laughs> as you've probably noticed on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> so, guys, we we got some really cool questions this week from people. Can I read some out to you? Oh, sure. So, Richard asked, "If you had the ability to change one thing about your favorite game, what would it be?" Hmm. I can start with a very easy one. Uh, better animations in Fallout 3. Um, beyond, uh, beyond Good and Evil, mm-hmm. I, would, I would change it so that it had a sequel. <laughs> and maybe improve the stealth bits a bit? Is that a fair request? <gasps> no, okay, actually that is a fair thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I will, I, will, I will edit the stealth. Maybe I will change it so that it's twice as long with a separate story about halfway through. When you finish the first half, you get this second story that comes after the end, almost like a sequel. I really have to go back and finish that game. Oh, really. you don't. Is it, isn't it, hasn't it come out on, like, um, is it on the new, is it on, like, some... It's on the 360 you can get it. I know you can get it on oh, 360. Okay. Oh, in I HD. have my 360 tucked away in a corner somewhere. Yeah, did you just get it, it on, on the PC? PC? Yeah, get it on the it's PC. It's on PC. Okay, cool. Awesome. I'll get that one. Because I remember it being really fun. It was just a stealth kind of turned me off it. My favourite game is Silent yes. Hill 2. And my improvement would be a second attempt at a remaster not handled by the fuck nuts at Konami who somehow managed to get one of the best games ever made. They had one job and couldn't do it. Like, it's one of the easiest jobs in the world. Port one of the best games in the world over to the PS3 and 360. And they somehow, because Konami is Konami, fucked it up. So I would like someone else to go in, and it would probably have to be a full remaster because they lost the code for Silent Hill 2, which is why the, uh, the remaster was so shit. And give they'd have to probably rebuild it, um, but you know, give it like the Resident Evil HD mm. treatment, and actually go in there and, and give us a, a fully remade. It's Silent like burn. It's like it's um, like burning yeah. your pizza, isn't it? I mean, it's just how do you fuck that up? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Konami can fuck up anything. That's one thing I've learned from that company's history is they will find a way to somehow just devastate, devastate perfection. Um, so yeah, that that's that's my thing is to just take take Silent Hill away from Konami. Actually, that would be the the perfect <laughs> the perfect fix for it. So here's a second question, and this is from the Rog. How did you all meet, and how did Jim go about getting you every week for the show? Uh, I can answer the second one there. Jim came to my house, uh, pinned me to the floor, sat on me, and put Resident Evil 6 on, and played it in front of me, and said, until you say you'll do a podcast with me, I'm going to continue playing Resident Evil 6 and making you watch. So yeah, that's how I got involved. Now, see, I, I, I got involved because Jim came up to me and was like, hey, do you want to do this podcast with me? And I very calmly and quietly said, yeah, sure, I, I guess I can probably make space in my very busy schedule to do that, I think. You know, I might have to juggle some stuff around, but I can probably do it. And inside, I was like, 
holy fucking shit, this is Jim Sterling. Just, just play it cool. Play it cool. Don't let him know that that little quiet old me's excited about being on his show. And then I instantly <laughs> made him regret that choice by coming on and being like, oh, you know that quiet, nice, like, sensible person you've been talking to for months? I'm just going to fuck that up. So pilot episode, fuck it, fuck, 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 cunt face, fuck, fuck. Fuck you in the arse, kick a fish in the cunt. I don't know. Well, I... I always liked your motivation <laughs> from the first episode onwards, which was that, you know, you were going to be on the show with a, some mouthy fucking blogger who never shuts up, and you were just going to also be a mouthy fucking blogger who never shuts up to balance it out. And uh, I always appreciated that. Um, I think I picked the right the right people for the job. I think you did a decent I, I job. I also share this sentiment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, God. So how did, did we good. all meet then? We've done good. I mean, yeah. I've known both of you now for years. Um, I met Jim through the escapist. The, the first time I ever met Gav was yeah, this podcast. Expos. Like That's the first time I ever spoke to Gav. The podcast, wasn't the, it? The yeah. first episode of this we did, I was like, oh, who's that yeah. Gav guy? I bet he's going to be loud and shouty and have all yeah. sorts of opinions. And it turns <laughs> no. out he's quiet and sensible. <laughs> he's what I was supposed to be on this show. I, I'm the soft... Soft-spoken Irishman until I have a few beers. <laughs> I'm such a cliche. Um, okay, can I do one more question? Because we got some really yeah, good ones. Yeah, go ahead. This is okay, the last yeah. one, I promise. I promise. So Kai asked, do any of you listen to game soundtracks outside of the games and which are your favourites? Um, uh, for me, again, I'd have to say Silent Hill 2 has a... In fact, there, a couple of Silent Hills have uh, tracks that I... I don't listen to really much game music now, but when I did, I listened to a couple of tracks from Silent Hill 2 and the main theme of Silent Hill 4. Uh, So yeah, definitely those ones I used to love listening to. I only have three game soundtracks on my iPod, and they are Modern Warfare 2, which if you haven't heard it, go listen to it, because it's an incredible soundtrack. Hans Zimmer did it, so obviously it's brilliant. Uh, Assassin's Creed 2, Jim's favourite. And Deus Ex Human Revolution, which was an absolutely magical That's soundtrack. That's cool. I I have a there few that I cycle yeah. through sometimes when I'm doing writing work. Um, I like the Mass Effect 2 soundtrack. The soundtrack to... Sh- yes, Sam Hulick. Shout out for oh, Sam Hulick. Yeah. Um, the sound- he's, he's my buddy. And he's Ray. a lovely fellow. Um, what else is there? The soundtrack to... Um, <laughs> Sorry. The soundtrack to Shovel Knight. I really like the soundtrack to Shovel Knight. And the soundtrack to No More Heroes. A lot of people like the Shovel Knight one. Yeah, I love the Shovel Knight one. Isn't it kind of um, it's kind of chip tuny eight bit kind of thing? It is, but it sort of breaks some of the rules of what that hardware could do, and it's like it's it's thematically like eight bit chip tunes stuff, but a little bit nicer sounding. That's how the soundtrack goes. And Next. you can put that on your rock and pop album, Kevin. Oh, I, I've already, I've got it recorded. It's going on. It's going. It's going on the metal album. <laughs> um, right. That's. I think we're good. I need to go get ready because I booked uh, two nights in a local hotel room for myself to literally do nothing in um, because I figured I yeah. just deserve some time alone from society and I'm just going to be in there idea. like some weird creature. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, and you're going to stay off the internet, right? <laughs> well, I'll need the internet for something <laughs> in there. Um, <laughs> 
that's Laura. <laughs> Can't you just like pay for that in the hotel? <laughs> People have listened to this podcast now, and they are thinking, Dora is a person who was on the podcast that I listened to, and now I need more of the things that she does. How can they make that happen in your life? How can that happen in your life? Well, what you can do is you can go to Twitter and go to at Laura K Buzz, and then you'll see me tweet all sorts of wonderful stuff that I do, and I throw out content like left, right, and center. I have a YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Laura K Buzz. That's where I do videos about punching horses in the face and having sex with fish. I have a Patreon. Again, you're going to notice a theme here. It's patreon.com forward slash Laura K Buzz. So, you know, that's where you go to get your Laura K Buzz money throwing in my face and stuff. And then if you want to be like Jamie Hanna, who bought me alcohol to consume on, on the podquisition, which I'm going to do next week, drop me a tweet. Let me know. You can buy me alcohol. I won't say no. So that's where you can find me on the internet. Thank you for the buckfast, Jamie Hanna. Excellent. And Gavin. Gavin, the world needs to know how to listen to your great music. They can go to YouTube and they can find it under Miracle of Sound. And at the moment, I am making a heavy metal album, which is going to make a lot of poor (laughs) Miracle of Sound fans cry. (laughs) Because it's proper, like, it's got, you know, Cookie Monster death metal vocals on it and everything. Excellent. So look forward to hearing more about that. Um, yeah. I'm actually quite intrigued to hear it because I'm. I mean, obviously, I hear a lot of the miracles. Oh, have you not? Have you not heard the preview I put up? Remind me. Remind me to link you this after yes, the show. Yes, please do. Yeah. Yes, I, yeah, I yeah. somehow missed that. I've previewed um, two songs, and I bought a new guitar for it and everything. It's like this oops. fucking monster eight-string Meshuggah signature guitar. Anyone who's into metal will will probably orgasm when they hear the it's a Meshuggah signature because anyone who likes metal should like Meshuggah and if you don't, go and listen to them. There you go. Okay, okay. So that's that. As for the rest of it, well, you know, you, you know who I am by now, so there, that's that sorted. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, if you are indeed listening and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.